Yo, it's the first of the month, November 1st. It was raining yesterday, so that was cliche, cold November rain, first day of November and the first of the month, so I figured I had to come on and do a podcast. Um, here's the thing. So everyone wants me to do a ton of podcasts, and I have no problem doing that, but it's just too hard to get all the guys on at the same time, because normally when I could do this, it's like, you know, two in the morning or one in the morning or sometime when everyone else is asleep. So if you want me to, I could do a ton more podcasts, but it'll probably just be me by myself like this. So let me know. You could comment and let me know if this sucks or if you want me to keep doing this, but I have no problem doing podcasts all the time, but it'll probably just be me. I mean, I'll have the guys on when they could do it and when it works for their, you know, their schedules, we all have regular jobs. Here's the thing about podcasting. If you're already rich or if you're someone, you know, like Joe Rogan um, and you have a huge audience that's, you know, I mean, we, we have a, a big audience from our Howard 101 show, but it's not the kind of audience that Joe Rogan has where, you know, he, he goes and does comedy shows for a few thousand people. So he's able to finance his podcast and do it and pay, you know, all the guys on his show, whereas I can't do that. I can't pay Ryan and Sam. Not that they'd even want to get paid, but I can't ask them to, you know, hey, guys, uh, it's 1.30 a.m. Let's do this podcast. So I, I can't really ask them to do that. So if you want me to, and I, I, I do this for the, the listeners of the show because, you know, that show to me was the most important thing I've done in my radio career, that Howard 101 show for three years. And I feel like we've got a huge audience and, and the audience is very loyal and they want more shows. So I've, like I said, I have no problem doing this. I want to do it, but I don't know if you're going to be bored just hearing me. So I'll do it and we'll see what the deal is. Um, so for the last few months, I won't say what the job is, I guess, because it's still confidential, but I was up for a huge radio job. Like that would have paid a lot of money, a big morning job. And I just found out yesterday that they think I sound too, uh, in their words, too active rock and too young to be on this station, which is fine. Um, but everyone was wondering why it took so long in between podcasts. And I kind of had my life on pause because I was doing all kinds of stuff, you know, uh, meetings and all that kind of stuff. So that's why I haven't been on in a long time. And I think this is a good learning experience for me because I really realized that I'm not going to change who I am for any radio station because if you're listening to this, you already like what we do. And why would I change what I do to fit into something that I don't want to be a part of anyway? Um, you know, if someone wants to put our show on as is, then I'll do it. But I can't sit there and play the game and, you know, turn my show into something that it's not. I was on a radio show before that was so unfunny that it took me months to clean the, the unfunny off me. Like, I had to scrub the unfunny off my arms when I left that show. And I told myself I never want to be a part of anything like that again. This, this job that I was um, up for... It wasn't going to be me with the regular crew with Sam, Ryan, and Bass. It was a different show, but it was to be on with someone that I want to work with. So it, it would have been cool, actually. Um, but at the end of the day, they didn't want me as me. They want me to either tone down what I do or be someone else. And and really, that's not what, what I am. And it's impossible for me to fake who I am at this point. 
because I don't, I don't even want to do that. I mean, I'll do this podcast for the rest of my life, and I'll just talk to the people who want to hear it. And, and the people who listen to this like what we do, so that's what we'll do. Now, as far as making money and stuff like that, it would have been awesome. You know, I mean, I have a regular job now. I do this show on 87.7 The Game on Saturdays. But this would have been, you know, like a really good job, a lot of money, all that kind of stuff. So that's all good, which I still want to get a regular radio job, um, whether it's back at Sirius, if it's at a Chicago station, if it's somewhere else. I do want to do that. But I plan on doing this no matter what forever. Like I, this podcast to me, I could keep in touch with the listeners that I care about, the ones that found us on Sirius. They like the show. And they want more, so I'll, I'll keep giving it to you. To me, the key to the entertainment business is don't let anyone change what you're doing if you know what you're doing is right. And if, if you know what you're doing is right, I feel like when we did that show on Sirius and what we do on this podcast is completely different than what everyone else is doing. And, and, and I think it works, and people relate to it. Not only do we have male listeners, but we have tons of female listeners. And to me, once you get female listeners... That's very important because it means that your show isn't just some disgusting show that only guys are going to laugh at or think is good. So once you bring in the female audience, to me, I feel like you've succeeded. And and that's what I think we've done. I don't see any reason why I should ever change who I am to fit in anywhere. Because what I did worked. Howard Stern, who I look at as the greatest of all time, chose me and, and, and Sam and Bass and Ryan to be on his network. And if he thinks I'm good enough, and my favorite program director I ever worked with, Tim Sabian, picked us out of every other radio show, if he thinks we're good enough, then to me, why would I ever change anything I'm doing? That show on Sirius was the exact show that I... Now, you know, of course, there were, there, we didn't have all the marketing and stuff like that, but I don't even care about that kind of stuff. The show itself... They let us do anything we wanted. And, and I know it's, that's hard to find these days, but they let us do anything. And, and I think we found an audience doing what I know is right. So I can't change that and be some cheesy. Even the sports show I do, it's still me. I'm just on a sports show. I'm doing my thing. I'm not changing who I am as a person. And that's what I feel like a lot of these radio jobs want you to do. Oh, you don't fit in. You got to say, a little sticks and stones on the way, a little cream for your coffee. It's time for the rock and roll block. Like, they want you to do cheesy stuff. They want you to be safe. I mean, if you look at, like, let's look at the Chicago radio dial. It is the safest dial up and down. No one's doing anything cutting edge. No one's trying to do anything, um, not even, like, edgy, but just something different. There's plenty of safe options, so I don't get why you would hire another safe option. You should try to mix it up. I have the greatest idea for a rock station. I, I've pitched it to so many different program directors all around the country, which is a badass rock station, heavy personality in the mornings and afternoons, funny imaging, and you know the stuff in between the songs. And I feel like that would win in any city. There's a guy named Dave Richards who was actually, when I interned at Q101 when I was 19, he was my first program director, and I've gotten to know him more after that. Like, back then I was just an intern, and he didn't really know me. But I've, I've gotten to know him a little bit since then. And he runs a station in Seattle called KISW. I recommend everyone checks this station out. They play badass rock music. They have a morning show and an afternoon show that do talk, which is pretty... I think they play a couple songs, but it's almost all talk. 
And and they're number one in the whole city. Or number two, I think, behind like some kind of like um top 40 station, I think. But they get huge ratings and they make a lot of money. And and that's I, I think people are just afraid to go outside and try something different. And this guy Dave has been doing this formula his whole career and it's always worked. So I don't get why every station doesn't have a, a hard rock station that men and women could listen to that has funny personalities in the morning and afternoons, uh, you know, an up and coming night guy. If I was running a radio station, I would have my overnight guy. I'd run it like a baseball team, like a farm system. The overnight guy would be ready to take the night job. The night job would be ready to take the afternoon job. The afternoon guy would be ready to take morning. So if anyone ever left or moved around, you always have a guy to replace him. I would have live DJs on 24 seven. It doesn't cost that much money to put on a live DJ 24 seven. That's what I would do. And I would always be, let's say your afternoon guy leaves. Let's say he gets offered a million dollars. Let's say this station's so awesome. And then Sirius XM says, we have to have this guy. I'd say, take, please, please go there for a million dollars. I want people to succeed. I'd want him to go better his life and make a million dollars. But guess what? That night guy that I have is ready to take that afternoon job. And that overnight guy is ready to take that night job. And one of my weekenders is ready to take overnights. So that's how it should work in radio. And, and, and I feel like radio's gotten away from that. And I'm kind of stuck in this position where, you know, do you try to fit in or do you just do your own thing? I'm in a position now where I could just do this forever and then just make money however, like just do a regular job, which is no problem. I'll do that. But I would I would like to also to do this and be on a regular station, but do it on my terms. And and it's weird putting your life on pause for three months. Like I I mean, I've been talking to this station for three months, and I literally put my life on pause for three months and you know, then after three months, I just got, they just told me, oh, well, uh, we think you sound a little too, uh, a little too young <laughs> and a little too active rock for what we're trying to do. So it's obviously not the right situation, but it's hard to figure out what is the right situation. Like Sirius XM, Tim Sabian, when he left, that pretty much was the end of our show. And I don't even know if they'd put us on. I feel like they have a different agenda too. So I'm starting to think that this is the best way to reach people. Like the people who want to hear this. The only thing I don't like about podcasting is that you can't just find new fans. And that's why I want to do another show along with this because I like when just some random person flips on the dial and we're having a conversation about the lady at Subway who who wants, uh, you know, lots of mayonnaise. Lots of mayonnaise. Lots of mayonnaise. And then she gets hooked. And that's how everyone listening to this podcast, unless you're like my mom listening or someone or someone that I knew from high school or a friend of mine, anyone else listening to this podcast, they found my show, our show that way. You guys were, you guys were driving around, you were doing something and then you ran across our show and then, and now you're listening to this podcast. So the way we found you as a listener, I want to find more people like that. And, you know, you could spread this. Po- I know there's a lot of people out there. I don't have to name them by name, but you know who you are that just spread this show. It's like it's like I'm paying them. They, they do such a great job. They're always telling people about it. They're always tweeting about the show. And I really appreciate that. And that's a great way to get new. Like, if you like this and you think someone else might like it, send them a link. That's awesome. But it, it's it's so much more organic to just 
you know, someone's driving and they just flip it on. They're like, what are these guys talking? Oh, they're talking about guys who sell speakers in parking lots. And then they're compelled to keep listening. And then you, you gain a new listener. So that's, that's the only reason why I want to get a regular show back to go along with this podcast, because that's the only way that you could really build your audience. And I'm not big enough at this point to just do a podcast and make a living off it. Like Adam Carolla. Adam Carolla made millions of dollars in radio. Uh, Joe Rogan has millions of dollars. Mark Marin made a ton of money as a comedian. Bill Burr makes a lot of money as a comedian. All the big podcasts, they're all guys who don't need to do the podcast. They use the podcast as a vehicle to promote their comedy or whatever else, and it's become like someone like Joe Rogan. It's become his main thing now, and he's able to make money off it. But you can't just finance a podcast if you don't have money to do it. So someone like me, it's really hard to just, you know, like a lot of people say, why don't you just do a podcast and make a living off that? Well, that's, that's impossible for a guy like me. It's easy. If, if Louis CK wanted to do a podcast tomorrow, he could immediately bring sponsors on. He can make a ton of money. If, uh, you know, James Hetfield from Metallica wanted to do a podcast, he could do that. So you just need that huge built in audience. I mean, we have a big audience, and you guys, I mean, we get thousands of downloads of this podcast, which is which is awesome for me. But I'm not one of those people who's going to, like, nickel and dime my listeners. I would never, like, ask you for money. Everyone's like, do a Kickstarter. I would never do that. I, I just feel like that's not right. To ask someone who probably a lot of people have less money than me, and, and I'm going to ask you to give me money, to me that just doesn't seem right. So I, I would never even consider doing that. Um. So the, the only way to, to make this thing work is to get more listeners. And then maybe eventually I get a sponsor like Jimmy John's or something. That would be the, that would be the dream sponsor. If I get someone like Jimmy John's to sponsor this podcast, then I could like the greatest moment so far of my radio career was I was doing a pod, this pod, well, the, the old podcast that I used to do. Um, so I lost a job where I did a week long food drive. Um, the CD I was waiting for, for how many years was it? Like 10 years, Chinese democracy, the guns and roses CD. It came out that day. So we did a week long food drive. The program director goes, Hey Abe, I got Chinese democracy. You can have the first copy. I know you've been talking about it for time. I'm like, yes, this is the greatest day ever. Four hours later, after living outside, collecting food for the homeless, I lost my job. They, they, they got rid of us. They put Bubba the love sponge on. And it was Cox Radio. They put Bubble Love Sponge on all their rock stations. So all the rock stations got let go. So after living outside for a week collecting food for the homeless, we were let go. Um, or I was let go. So then I started doing a podcast. It pro- I probably took like six or seven months to like reset. That's how I kind of feel now. Like I spent the last over three months thinking I was going to get this huge job. And then I just got let known yesterday that I'm not. So it's like you kind of you need like a few hours to accept it and then you have to reset. So now I'm doing the resetting process again, but it won't take as long as it did that time. So seven months after that job, I um, I started doing a podcast with the guys I want to work with, Ryan, Sam and Bass. And and that's the show that I want to do when if, if I could get the show back, that's that's what I'm trying hard to get back on the air is that show. Cause I, I think that, that there's some magic with that show, the chemistry, what we do, it's completely different than any other show. 
uh, Sam, Ryan, and Bass. There's that. That's just the show I want to do. That that's the show that got me you guys to listen right now, and that's the show I want to continue with. Um, but anyways, we started doing a podcast. I think we did like 35, 40 episodes, and it's funny because Bubba the Love Sponge, who was the reason I lost my job. At, well, not it's not his fault or anything, but I mean, you know, him getting hired is the reason why I lost my job. Well, when he left Howard Station, I was email. I, I had been emailing Tim Sabian since like 2006. And then finally, I think once Bubba left, Tim realized, oh, we have to bring in some new people. So Tim started listening to my stuff. Sent, I think I've told this story before, but it's worth mentioning again. He uh, sent it to Gary Delabate. Gary listened. Gary liked it. Howard listened. So the greatest moment of my radio career so far has was when we went to we flew out to New York. Uh, I think it was, yeah, it was just me and Ryan and Tim's like, all right, Howard's Howard wants to meet you real quick. Uh, you know, it's just going to be a quick thing, whatever. So I go up to Howard. He comes up to me. The first thing he says, is he goes, oh, Hey Abe. He goes, I'm a big fan. Howard Stern said he was a big fan of me. This, this shitty podcast that I was doing in my bedroom. He was a fan of that. So to me, that was the greatest. That's still like, even after three years of being on his channel. That's the greatest moment of my radio career. The second greatest was uh, we we did the show at the JBTV studios. Another awesome person, Jerry Bryant, um, just letting us do the show there for free for most of the time. Uh, sitting there, and it's like, welcome to the world of Howard Stern. Next up, the Abe Cannon Show. Just hearing that was was so awesome. And then, you know, emailing Howard Stern after we got let go. When Tim Sabian was let go, the new program director didn't like us for whatever reason. He didn't want any live programming. Um, so he he called me. I've told this story, too. He called me at Sam's wedding in Vegas, let me know, oh, we're moving on, you know, no more live programming, blah, blah, blah. After that, Howard Stern sent me the nicest email. He's like, you know, you love radio as much as me, and, you know, you're the kind of guy I'm always going to root for. So all my greatest moments in radio involve Howard Stern and being on his channel. So I think another great moment would be to get this podcast sponsored by Jimmy John's. Because I've done sponsorships. When I, I did a radio show with Sludge, another guy I used to work with, in Richmond. He's the guy I did the show with when, uh, when they let us go after the food drive. I talked about Jimmy John's so much that they opened a Jimmy John's in Richmond because of me. This guy emailed me. He said, hey, my dad and I are thinking about franchising a new place. Jimmy John's is one of the options. We always hear you talking about it. Tell us more about it. And I actually did an endorsement for Jimmy John's. But I would like to just get this show endorsed by Jimmy John's. I don't know how much money they would pay to do something like that. But maybe by doing that, then, you know, I could do this full time, which would be awesome. So anyways, let me just get to a few things here then. Uh but I, I just want to explain why it's been such a long time since uh, since we did the last show. Just because I, I was kind of, I had things on hold a little bit. So the big story here in Chicago is, this is old now, but I, I, I've been wanting to cover this on here for a while. A ton of hookers are getting killed in Gary, Indiana and Hammond, Indiana. And it's just another reason why it sucks to be on Craigslist or Backpage and be a hooker. Because not only do you have to do disgusting things for like $20, but 
Now you get killed? This guy's just killed, just for no reason. A serial killer just killing a ton of hookers. Think about, and, and it was all at motels too. Think about any time you've been at a motel. I was at a motel after senior prom. I was there once because I drank too much and I didn't want to drive home after a wedding. I was at a motel. Um, I think that's. I think I've only been in motels twice, maybe three times. But you never stay at a motel for a good reason. A street hooker, they're always at motels. So if you think about it, the odds of you getting killed as a hooker are way higher than anyone else because only shitty things go down as at a motel. H, they have a sign that says HBO and water beds. So just based on those, if that if that's your selling point, oh, we have HBO and water beds, like. That that's that's how you're gonna sell me on your motel, HBO and waterbeds, and then underneath it says four hour nap rates. Think about all the cum everywhere. I mean, this is everyone knows this, but there. Ha- if you took like a, a black light to a motel room, it would just be. It would look like uh, you spilled a bunch of white paint in a black room. Like if you took the black light, that's what it would look like. You know they have bed bugs, so hookers probably all. I never even thought about that. Street hookers all have bed bugs, I assume, because they're always in motels. There's no way that they properly clean those rooms. I just think nothing good happens in motels. And and, and if you're a street hooker, you're really in a bad position because all you really all you could do is either have sex in the car or a motel. And you probably want to at least be in a motel. So, or I don't know. I don't know what would be easier to get killed. I mean, if you're in a car, you could beep your horn. If you're in a motel, you could scream. But I feel like in a motel... No one wants to anyone to know that they're there. So they're either doing crack, they're, you know, it's an underage kid trying to drink, you're with a hooker, you're buying drugs. So if I start screaming in a motel, help me, help me, I don't think anyone's going to help me because they don't want anyone to know that they're there. I mean, they're there for the same reason I'm there, right? Like to do something shady. So really the only way to go as a hooker is to be a high-end hooker because a high-end hooker gets a lot of money. I don't think they're going to motels. A high-end hooker is probably at a nice hotel. Um, You get screened. So I do recommend the high-end hooker business because I feel like you can make a nice living doing that. But the the low-end hooker business, it's a big drop-off, a huge drop-off. It's like the high-end hooker business is like going to like Chicago Cut Steakhouse. And the low-end is like going to Golden Corral but eating it in the bathroom. Not even Golden Crow, but in the bathroom eating your, you know, your your all you can eat ribs and your all you can eat mac and cheese. Mac and cheese and ribs, all you could eat. Golden Corral. Oh yeah, but you have to eat it in the bathroom. That that's what it's like being the twenty dollar street hooker. And twenty dollars, that doesn't even seem like a good rate for what you're doing. I think hookers, the now high end hookers, I have no problem with because they're making a lot of money. I really do think that a lot of hookers are doing God's work because there's a lot of people out there who can't get laid at all. And I feel like they're really doing – it's an act of God to, to to get these guys laid that would never have a chance of getting laid. That's really nice of them. It, it, they're, they're like angels. They're like – they're walking angels. To have, I mean, of course, they're making a lot of money. But I feel like the pathetic guys aren't getting the street hookers. It's all the weird – Weird dudes. Like all the a holes on the street are the guys who get the twenty dollar blowjobs. Like the pathetic guy who needs one, he's the guy who's going to pay five grand to get one. So I I do feel like 
the high-end hookers are doing God's work, but the low-end hookers, the $20 ones, I think they're just lazy. $20 to blow? Like, think about it. How long does it take to set up the whole blowjob process? You're on the street. You're asking, oh, hey, can I? Because I assume for a $20 blowjob, it's all negotiated on the street, right? So you're probably... You're probably making less than $10. I bet it takes two hours from uh, in between blowjobs at least. So I'd assume you're making about $10 an hour to just blow people all day. And how many blowjobs could you fit into a day? Five? Six? Let's say you do seven blowjobs. That's $140, but you've worked 14 hours. 14 hours for $140, and the work sucks. It's not even like fun work. So why not just work at McDonald's or something? I, I just don't get it. I mean, I think it's a lot harder work to blow someone than to make like a quarter pounder. It seems like it. I don't. I mean, maybe it's not. Maybe it's easier. I don't know. I mean, I guess if you're used to blowing people for $20, but then you always hear about other hookers getting killed. So is it worth it? That's what I'm trying to figure out. Is it worth it for a $20 hooker to take the risk of getting, I mean, the guys who kill hookers, they just don't care. They just cut their heads off, they break their necks, and they just move on. It's not even. It's not even like if I got killed at McDonald's, most likely someone at least had a decision to make. The guys who kill hookers, uh, the twenty dollars hookers in motels, they went in wanting to kill the hooker. I don't think anyone who's ever been at McDonald's and killed someone wanted to kill them. They either want to rob the register or do something else. They didn't go in and say, "Oh, I can't wait to kill that fry girl." Or that fry boy. I got to make sure I shoot him in the head. But guys who kill hookers, their whole purpose of going into that transaction is to kill the hooker. So I, I as much as I recommend high-end hooking, I would discourage anyone from being a low-end hooker. Because, like I said, most likely you're going to get killed. Uh, it's a horrible life. Bad wages. I give guys credit who beg for money. If you're standing outside in the rain, in the sun, begging for money, that's hard labor. You're walking up and down the expressway. You're sweating, begging. And let's say you do make $10, $15 an hour. That's hard work. I always hook up my brothers. If I don't take care of my brothers, who will? So I really do think that these are all hard jobs. And, And being a street hooker, that's a hard job. You're making 20, maybe it's even less than 20. I don't even know the going rate for a hooker. Who could I talk to that would know about hooking? I've never sampled a hooker myself, but I I know plenty of people who have. I remember when I worked at Walmart, I was 16, my boy, Big Dave, who for some reason he was like, he was one of the guys that I really looked up to. Like he'd always be like, yeah, man. He goes, yo, a man got to do this. A man. So I, he was like, because, you know, I never dad growing up. So you find these father figures in all your jobs. So Big Dave. And I remember he's like, yeah, man. He go, I had to go get my boy Paul a blowjob. You know what I'm saying? For his birthday. And then I remember like I had this sick feeling in my stomach. I'm like, oh. And then I'm like, oh, wait. But he's just talking about his boy Paul. And then I'm like, oh, yeah. But you don't do that, do you, Dave? He goes. Uh, man, you know I had to get me mines. <laughs> and he started laughing. And I remember losing all respect for him. He's like, man, you know the bitch good when she charged 10, you give her 20. So that I remember that broke my heart that my boy Big Dave 
would bang a $10 hooker. And he's like, man, I had her ass up on the ceiling of the rod, dog. <laughs> so yeah, so I still did like Big Dave after that, but it did kind of hurt to see that my guy, Big Dave, was banging $10 hookers. Because I, I looked at him as a guy that was better than that, and apparently he wasn't. So maybe a hooker's $10. If you're getting $10 a blowjob, and even if you could fit one in per hour, and I mean, is it just like one blow and that's it? Like, or do you get multiple? Like, yo, man, I want to get me but multiple loads. I I only give but one load per 10. So do they, I wonder if they negotiate multiple loads. And you know, these limp dick guys who are going to get a $10 blowjob, it must take them two, three hours to get hard. So like. I bet they have to like jerk off in their car and be ready to go by the time uh, the hooker's ready to, you know, give them that ten or twenty dollar blowjob. Because I can't imagine a guy that's going to pay ten dollars. Uh, I don't think his equipment is working properly. Because a ten or twenty dollar hooker has to have some kind of mouth disease or something. There has to be something wrong with that guy's penis at this point because no one just is like, I don't just drive through the ghetto and decide, I think I'm going to get a $10 blowjob today. Like that's something that you always do. That's not something that you just decide. Oh, uh, I don't know. Uh, I, I might get a $10 blowjob today from a hooker, you know, just a real disgusting one. Eh, nah, not today. Maybe tomorrow. no, Anyone who gets those kind of blowjobs, they've been doing it a long time. And all their boys, like my guy Big Dave, it just, it, it's, it's kind of like Michael Vick with the dog fighting, or if you're in Mexico, the cock fighting, or, you know, a lot of guys like Adrian Peterson. Oh, it's okay, yo. It's called whoopings when you be beating your boy. It's called whoopings. So a guy who gets a $20 blowjob, this is something that's been ingrained into his culture his whole life. His brother got $20 blowjobs. His dad got $20 blowjobs. His grandfather, his cousin got $20 blowjobs everyone he knows got the $20 or $10 blowjob so now luckily for me I didn't have any scumbags around me growing up because only my mom and grandma raised me so thank god I wasn't around the $20 blowjob crowd because who knows I could be on you know wherever you get a $20 blowjob going into a motel you know with a limp dick luckily none of those things apply to me because I never got a $20 blowjob thank god uh, speaking of $20 blowjobs, when you look at Sugar Bear from Honey Boo Boo, that's uh, Honey uh, uh, Mama June's baby daddy or whatever, Honey Boo Boo's uh, father, he looks like the kind of guy that would get a shitload of $10 blowjobs. Now, he gets the redneck crackhead blowjobs, and th- those might even be $7 blowjobs. I was, I've, I've been following this pretty closely because Mama June is now banging uh, a molester, a, a kid, a guy who molested her daughter or got accused of molesting her daughter. And she left Sugar Bear for a child molester of her kid. Think about that. Not only is the guy, it's bad enough to be a convicted child molester, okay? It's, you probably, like, let's say the dating pool is 100%, right? The minute you're on that sexual offender list, at least 98 to 99.5% of all options are off the table. So now you're between one and between half a percent and one and a half percent of the population that might date you. Out of that half to one and a half percent of the population that might date a guy on the sexual offender list, probably 
99.9% of those people wouldn't date you if you molested their daughter. Now, that would leave maybe, if you're this guy, it leaves you with like a .0001% chance of finding someone. And of course, this piece of shit, Mama June from Honey Boo Boo, has no problems dating a guy who molested her daughter, or at least was accused of molesting her daughter. And if you think about it, though, you can't be too shocked because this is a woman whose whole life is based around making bad decisions. She lets her kids eat mayonnaise from a jar with a spoon. And that's true. She really does that. Um, she's with a guy now, Sugar Bear, who I don't think anyone would ever date. He, he can't even understand the guy. He mumbles. He looks like he always, he must always smell like shit. Um, but she smells like shit, too. She has a dead foot. I don't know if, I, I've watched the show. When she goes swimming, she wears a sock because uh, she has a dead foot. It's it's like it's it's like black and blue. I think it's missing toes. It, it's it's pretty disgusting. So the fact that she even found someone and that she has two guys fight. I, I assume that the child molester only wants to be with her now because. Number one, she has plenty of daughters around for him to uh, maybe make another move on. And he's probably only around now because she has a ton of money. Because I feel like child molesters would have no problem taking advantage of a woman for money. And if you're a child molester, you probably can't be picky anymore with women. Like if you are going to find a woman to to just pay all your bills, you pretty much are down to people like Mama June. That, that That's pretty much your only option. And... I do find it interesting that as rich as Mama June is, she still acts like a fucking moron. Like, you would think all that money, she would move past wanting to have sex with a guy who molested her daughter. But, nope, nope, she's right back in. She, she still has that. Of course she has low self-esteem because, you know, she has a dead foot. Um, she has, like, uh, her neck is just the most disgusting thing. It has, like, uh, like if you, if, you, if you took a knife, it would look like you're, you're like, chopping wood off. like if you took a knife to a tree the way bark comes off that's the way dirt comes off her neck so you know you can't really it, i guess i see why she's with this child molester because there really aren't any other options but sugar bear's there why not just stick it out with sugar bear he's a good guy right he pays her bills or he used to pay her bills at least but it is a shame I feel like child molesters um, are finally outcast in, in today's culture. Like, I went to an all-guys Catholic high school, and one of the Christian brothers was a child molester. Um, the cops actually set up a sting and arrested him. And all they did at the school was give us a sheet of paper that said, oh, hey, brother, whatever, was convicted of this. And the teachers wouldn't talk about it. If there was a kid who was molested in a school today, I feel like they would have assemblies and they would they would openly talk about it. Back then, molesters weren't outcasted the way they are now. So it's really shocking to me that this child molester is able to get his hands on on June and and you know all her kids. Because in today's society, finally, there's no time for child molesters. We finally given up. We finally <laughs> closed the door on child molesters. Like there's there's no there's no one anymore that's gonna say, "Hey man, he has a right to earn a living." Oh come on, man! What you never you don't believe in second chances? And that's the kind of shit you would hear back in the day for child molesters. Oh, well he what when he can't live his life, you can't give him a second chance. No, 
to me, child molesting, rape, uh, murder, those are all things that you just you don't get a second chance. What are things you get a second chance for? Uh, I don't know, stealing a car. If you steal a car and, and you change your life and you, and you become a better person, I could accept you back into society. If you were a crackhead and you did a bunch of messed up things and you've cleaned yourself up, I could accept you in society. If you're a rapist, a molester, or a murderer, you're out. That's it. At some point, you lose the game. Like in Monopoly, I could keep mortgaging all my properties. Like when I used to play with Sam, you know, it's, come on, Sam, let me mortgage, uh, let me mortgage the B&O Railroad. He'd be like, Abe, it comes a time in a man's life where you can't mortgage properties anymore. You're done. And at some point, you lose the game of Monopoly. At some point, you can't mortgage anything else. And to me, child molesters, that's it. Game over. Once you molest a kid, you are done. And and I, I don't know if I believe in the death penalty or what, but at least send them to an island or, or like I said, put them, I've always said they should do this to Jerry Sandusky, put them in a meat suit and throw them in the Coliseum and let a bunch of lions, if he, if he could survive that, then he gets to live. Just like they did with uh, Maximus, uh, Russell Crowe in Gladiator. He had to fight to live in society, to not be a slave. If you're a child molester... We put you in a meat suit, throw you in the Coliseum, let 10 lions have their way with you. If you could survive in a Coliseum with 10 hungry lions that we haven't fed for a week, then you deserve to live among society. But there's no way you're going <laughs> to get away. Especially child molesters are never in good shape either. Do you ever notice that? They're always fat. They always have like a gimp foot, gout, um, dandruff. Uh, uh, hair lip. They're always fucked up in some way. You'll never find a sharp looking child. Oh, I'm, I, I take that back. I'm sure there's a few sharp child molesters out there, but usually they just look like shit. They're dumpy. They, they, they're not like, I, I could, if I see someone that's a child molester, it's not like, Oh, I'm shocked. He's a child molester. It's like, Oh yeah, he is a child molester. Duh. It's pretty obvious that this guy was a child molester. I'm just glad, though, in today's world that we finally decided that we need to exile child molesters. Because, like I said, in my day, we weren't doing that. Oh, come on. He's a Christian brother. Give him a second chance. No. They sent him to another. At my high school, they sent the brother to another school. He wasn't working with kids anymore, but he was still on that property. Do you really think that they they didn't like tie him up like sloth in the Goonies? He was able to walk around, you know, hey, guys, uh, you, you mind if I scout the football team? Okay, no problem. Just uh, remember, you can't touch any of the kids anymore. No problem. I'm just doing a little scouting. I feel like that stuff was allowed. There was an episode of Different Strokes where, where uh, Arnold got molested, and it wasn't even a big deal. The crowd, the, the audience was laughing. The guy had Dudley's pants unbuttoned. They're like, ah, the whole, the, the laugh track. Watch the episode of Different Strokes with Gordon Jump where he was a child molester in the bike shop. Dudley had his pants unzipped and the laugh track was going crazy. The crowd went nuts. Couple more things I want to cover. Um, the, uh, the LeBron James return, which was a big deal. Um, I thought it was funny though, that in the first game against the Knicks, 
My original drinking game was LL Cool J at award shows. Anytime he licks his lips, you drink a shot. And and that that's the most fucked up drinking game you could ever play. You'll drink at least 100 shots if you play that drinking game. The new drinking game is watch a New York Knicks game, and every time the commentators talk about how horrible the Knicks are at running the triangle offense, you have to do a shot. I'm pretty sure you would get more fucked up in this drinking game than you do in the LL Cool J drinking game. And and, and prior to the, the New York Knicks drinking game, the LL Cool J drinking game would get you more fucked up than any drinking game. Watch a Knicks game. All the commentators do is say, yo, they don't know. They're running that triangle offense like shit. God, Phil Jackson must be rolling in his grave. If he if he was dead, he'd be rolling in his grave because they can't run this triangle offense for shit. They suck. So I, I thought I thought that was pretty funny. Uh just to sit there and watch a Knicks game and uh every two seconds they're saying, God, they suck at running the triangle offense. But you know, the return, LeBron obviously, everything was contrived, the 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 chalk throw, uh I feel like he did everything just to have it videotaped. Like nothing was real that he was doing. He did this new thing now where he would flex every time he he like has a good play. And I noticed that he was trying to do it early, but he was sucking so bad that he couldn't do it. So he did it once early um, after going like 0 for 7. He finally made a shot. He did this stupid flexing thing. And then I noticed he tried to go back to it late in the game, but the Knicks were already, you know, the Cavs were already so far out of the game that he couldn't do it any longer. Um, so I just feel like the whole return is just, it, it's so contrived. It's so, it, it's kind of pathetic, really. It, can he just be a real guy? Does everything have to be like, oh, this is a sports center moment? Like, you're going to have like, uh, you know, Kenny Main crying. There he is. He's the Kings returned home. Uh, he's the Kings finally home. I do find it funny, though, that like Chris Bosch, of all people, the biggest hanger on ever is talking shit about LeBron. Yo, man, Kevin Love going to have to learn how to play different like I did. No, Chris Bosh, you're the biggest fucking hanger on. You should just hold LeBron's pocket at all times. I've never seen a bigger hanger on player than Chris Bosh. The minute he sat Miami, he's like, yo, man, I do anything you want, King. I'm I'm the King's court. I'll be a member of the King's court. I'm your jester, dog. I'll do anything you need. Anything the King need, I do. I just want to be involved with this, man. Let me just do any let me do anything, man, to fit in. All I want to do is earn my, my way, dog. I just want to earn me my keeps. Let me just do it. Yo, yo, Chris, chill out, man. Yo, man, I'll go 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 grab me some donuts right quick. And then we'll talk about your roll on squad. Ah, right, dog, yo, whatever you need, King. King, whatever you need, dog. Right, yo, yo, man. Yo, you want me to wash your car? You want me to wash your car? That's how Chris Bosch was in Miami. Now all of a sudden, oh, I'm I'm my own man now. Kevin Love better learn how to to grab LeBron's balls now. Because I I've 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 cut loose of those balls. Not really, Chris Bosch. You're always gonna be known as LeBron's bitch. And you should be thanking LeBron because LeBron made you. Uh, like $40 million extra dollars. You were going to get a $90-something million dollar contract from Houston, but because LeBron left, Miami gave Chris Bosh like a $125 million contract. So he made something like $30 million extra dollars. And he's the guy talking shit. If he would have stayed on the Heat, they were saying he would have made something like $10 million. So he made 50 or $60 million because LeBron left, and then he made another $30 million because... 
LeBron uh, because he didn't sign with Houston because Miami was so desperate. Then you got Dwayne Wade, who actually got fucked. Dwayne Wade opted out of his contract. I think he had like two years, like $44 million. And then after opting out, LeBron's like, all right, dog, I'm up. Peace. Yo, dog, stay up. Yo, stay good, big guy. Stay good. LeBron left town, and he cost Dwayne Wade like 20 or $30 million. No, I don't think it was that much. I think he cost Dwayne Wade like between 10 and $12 million over two years. And Dwayne Wade hasn't said shit. You know, silently, Dwayne Wade just wants to go crazy and talk mad shit about LeBron. He's he Every time Chris Bosh is like, yo, man, tell LeBron stop gripping them nut. Tell LeBron stop gripping them, them Cavalier nut. You know, Dwayne just wants to jump in and say, yo, man, he a buster. He a buster, man. But, you know, he's, he just, he, for some reason, Dwayne Wade's decided to take the high road. But you know that he secretly wants to just jump in and talk crazy shit about LeBron James. Yeah, that's right, man. Fuck LeBron, man. He told me he was coming back. I took 10 less million dollars for that bitch. Tell that receding hairline motherfucker to eat my dick. You know Pat Riley, too. He's, Pat Riley's probably always on the phone with Chris Bosh. Yo, what's up, man? Hey, uh, Chris, you see LeBron's playing like shit. And then Bosh is like, ha, 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 ha. You know he playing like shit because I ain't around. And now Pat Riley. Pat Riley must be at an all-time pathetic point in his career having to suck, of all people, Chris Bosh's dick. Like, Chris Bosh was the bitch on the team. Now, here we are, less than a year later, and Pat Riley has to coddle Chris Bosh. Yeah, that's right, Chris. You're the king now. This is your court. Ha, 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 ha. For Shizza, you know I do. You know how I do, Coach Pat. You know I'm the new king in town. Tell Joffrey to eat a dick. You know what I'm saying? Tell it. Yo, yo, tell, tell Robert Baratheon that Joffrey's in town. You know what I'm saying? Ha, 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 ha. Last thing I want to get to is uh, the World Series. They did this thing with uh, Chevy where they had a guy who looked like Chris Farley who gave away a Chevy to Madison Bumgarner after he won the MVP. This guy looked like he was about to have a heart attack. I want to I want to just say on behalf of Chevy that congratulations and you know that they, like you know this guy talk crazy shit before the game, like, hey, boys, I'm presenting the MVP of the World Series. Oh, you pussies could watch me on TV. Yeah, I'll see you pussies tomorrow at work. Ha, ha, ha. He gets there, the lights go on after all the shit talk. Uh, uh, Matt Hedison, Bart Gardner. I was shocked that he didn't have a heart attack. I really thought he was going to die. I, I I really did. He looked like he was going to die. And you ever notice that the the Giants manager looks like the manager from Major League? He looks and sounds like him. If, if you look look up look up the manager from the San Francisco Giants and look up the manager from the movie Major League. I actually tweeted it and put it on Instagram. If you uh, just, if you want to see who I'm talking about, at Abe Cannon on both. Um, he looks and sounds exactly like that manager. I do have to run though because I'm doing the show tonight on 87.7 The Game. Uh, so listen, if you're listening to this before that, we're on from 10 to midnight tonight and at uh, thegamechicago.com. So I'll be on 10 to midnight tonight, and I'll do this a lot more often if you want me to. So comment uh, in the comment box below or whatever. Do Comment on iTunes. Let me know if you want me to do these solo podcasts when no one else could do them. 
If not, then I won't do them. I mean, if you if you if they suck, then I won't do them. But if you want me to continue doing them, let me know. Uh, follow me on Twitter at Abe Cannon, A B E K A N A N, and I'll holler later. I'm oh, it's the first of the month. Don't forget, get up, get up, and I'm out. Peace.